Before we get going, there is this handy-dandy little device that you carry around in your pocket 99% of the time. It's called a smartphone. Um, some of you don't have smartphones. Good for you. You're not tethered to something. Um, but if you have an iPhone or a, a Droid of some sort, uh, probably even a BlackBerry, um, if you still rock one of those. Uh, but if you have any of those uh, those devices, there's an app called Uversion. It's the most downloaded app, I think, in existence. Uh, it is put out by a church in Oklahoma, a great church called LifeChurch.tv. Um, they put out this totally free resource, and it has any translation of the scripture that you'd like on it. You just download it right there for free. And it also has hundreds of different reading plans available for free. The whole thing's for free on there. Um, and you can also, I think, even download audio Bibles from there. So for those of you who do not like to read very much or it's difficult for you, you can even have the word spoken to you. Now, I do not, or if you are suffering from insomnia, have like Leviticus read to you at about 10 o'clock at night, you, you'll be out, okay? You will not have a problem anymore. Um, but some of us just, just need those uh, helps. And so Uversion has really done a great job of uh, any hurdle or obstacle that's come in the way. They've said, oh yeah, we'll do, we'll jump over that. Oh yeah, we'll jump over that. Uh, oh yeah, we'll jump over that one too. So you can read the Bible chronologically. You can, because you might not know this, but the Bible's not written like this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. It kind of jumps around a little bit, which gets confusing. Um, but you can read it chronologically. You can read it, just set up a plan to read it all in a year. And that's basically three chapters in the Old Testament a day and three chapters of the New Testament a day. In six chapters in about 10 minutes, if you just do that all day long, by next Christmas, you'll have read the whole thing. And some of you go, that's not possible. Yes, it is. Uh, promise. If you're really robust, you can do it uh, in uh, 66 days. You just pick a, bi- a book of the Bible every day and do it. Now, that one's difficult. Um, so, but here it is. I have a 90-day reading plan that I challenged my, um, my leadership students in Georgia to do. I told them I'd give them $100 off their mission trip. If they read the Bible in 90 days, um, I had two of them actually do it with me. Um, but that was that was a really fun challenge. If you're interested in that, I can I can help you out with that. I've also done a Bible um, like raffle thing where I cut up, I, I split up Psalms into three different days and a couple of other bigger books into different days. But then you put some of the New Testament days, smush them together. So because Fleeman is about 30 seconds, it's like four verses. So you can do that. You're like, oh, I'm done for the day. Read a whole book of the Bible today. You put those in with a couple others, and uh, but then I, I put them in a baggie, and you just draw out, and that's what you read for that day. Um, it does, all depends on your personality. Whatever's going to help you get into the scripture, okay? I tell you all that because it's going to have a major p- uh, point in later in our message today. But we want to be in this new year, stepping into the new year. What should I be doing? We've all done it, probably said, I really should read this scripture thing. This Bible that's been collecting dust, or these Bibles that have been collecting dust in different places. You're like, oh, I'll put it on my nightstand, so then I'll see it, and then I'll read it. And then you just keep on moving it when you dust each time, right? Um, Or it's on the coffee table, or it's on a different spot, or uh, some of you have them on the visor of your car, or sitting there, and it's all crinkled. And in Georgia, this would happen, and you could tell who'd left it there too long, because the sun would curl that pleather up like a little, like a scroll on the top of it. Uh, We all have those things, but this year, let this be a year where we're really investing and diving in to the Scripture, okay? As we go, like I said before in the announcement times, our mission here at the church is to reach, grow, serve the community for Christ. Now, another little tidbit I'm, I'm giving you as this is the New Year's message, so there's lots of little asides on how to set up your new year to the best of your ability. 
there is a woman named Christine Kane, amazing woman and a great author. Some of our ladies have done some of her studies, um, and she just will rock your world if you start reading her stuff. Uh, she has a little daily email blast out. It takes about 30 seconds to read her devotional, but it's packed full of good stuff. In fact, one of the main points of today's message comes from her. The main thought does, and it's this. You cannot influence people with whom you have no relationship. You cannot influence people with whom you have no relationship. Don't we love it when people who do not understand our situation, do not know us, haven't even talked to us, try to tell us the way in which we should deal with a problem, right? It's real easy to discount that information. It's really easy to go, shut that door, close that window, whatever, delete that email. It's, it's very easy not to take it because they don't have relationship with you. But when you have relationship with someone, the influence is real. Even if it's bad advice, if you have a deep relationship with someone, you're more prone to take the, even the bad advice, right? You know that friend who will tell you what to do and you know you shouldn't be doing that stuff anyway, but because the, the relationship is so close, you do it and you're like, what am I doing? Maybe I'm the only one that, that does that. doubt it. You cannot influence people with whom you have no relationship. We're talking about reach today, and as our church has become focused in on reach, we do several corporate activities that help us with reach. The block party is our number one reach idea, right? We had over 200 people on the property that day. We had like 70 visitors, first-time guests to the church in one day. That is a reach event. We want people to come here because if they're here, we can start to have relationship with them, and you can't re- influence people you don't have relationship with. Make sense? The Christmas craft day, we had a bunch of kids here uh, that day. We have that because we can't have uh, influence with someone we don't have relationship with. We do the women's uh, conference here in the end of February. That will be Sign-ups will be coming soon. Uh, the women's conference in February, which we're really looking forward to here. This is another one of these reach activities. We get people from the community and from different areas to be a part of that. And then our services are set up in such a way on Sunday morning that they hopefully are accessible to people who have never been to church before. And so we do that all through the lens of trying to be able to reach so that we can have influence in people's lives. But today we're going to even go farther than that on the instead of the corporate level, reach is not just the church's responsibility. It's not just activities that Jared dreams up and things that we do. Reach has to be a lifestyle choice of everyone who sits in these seats. It's actually a lifestyle choice of anyone who calls himself a Christian. We are called to go and make disciples. Well, if we are to make any disciples, we have to have influence with them. And as Christine just said, you got to have relationship with someone before you can have influence with them. And so we want to embody this idea of reach in our normal lives as when we're walking into Target or Starbucks or the people that we work with or whoever we're waiting in the waiting room at the doctor's office or the car shop with. How do our mindset change and shift and maximize the potential in every moment to reach our community for Christ. We're going to talk about that today. And this has always been a struggle of people. I like coming to a place that I know and people that I know and being homey. 
right? I like being at a place where I don't have to, I don't know them, I don't know how they're going to react to me, I don't know these things. And I'm an extrovert, and I don't like that stuff. So for the introverts out there, it's like, I know, they're weird, I don't know them. I don't want to talk to them, I want to be by myself. I understand introverts, I'm really close to one, I live with one, it's okay. But this, this idea of how, how, do we, how do we embody this? Because God is calling us to it, to reach people. This is how the kingdom of God grows. And as a church and as a people, we get really comfortable in the idea of, I like my seat, I like where I sit, I don't want anybody sitting in my seat. You know? But that's the best, that's the way I like the sound. I don't want to sit there because the drums are too loud. But if I move over here, it sounds fine to me. You know, I get that. We all get, but we get in this comfortable idea. That has been something that's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. And Jesus addresses it in one of the most famous parables of all time in Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered. This is the teacher of the law or expert of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down to Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away. leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place where he saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him and went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring out oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him, and the next day took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which one of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell to the hands of the robbers? The, one, the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now let me set the context for you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the history of this today because we've got other things to talk about. But there's good stuff in here. Contextually, what is happening? Imagine... A guy gets jumped on the, they're walking in the streets of Chicago, okay? You're on the south side for some reason without an escort. But you're on the south side of Chicago and you get jumped. Bad things happen. You're sitting laying on the side of the road. A pastor walks by and goes, and then keeps on walking. And then a seminary professor, because they often go to the south side of Chicago as well, a seminary professor says that walks by and goes and keeps on walking. And then a 25-year-old Muslim man walks by and takes care of him. Now think of all the uh, racial profiling that we do for a 25-year-old racial, uh, uh, Muslim man, right? That is the context in which Jesus is dropping the Samaritan bomb into this moment. If there is anything that all Jews could agree on, as politically divided as they possibly were in this in the first century AD, is that they all hated Samaritans. Okay? And so Jesus pointedly, the way he does, you know, that pressure point, I'm gonna finger that right there. 
You know, and he just says, pokes him and says, the Samaritan's the one who did what he's supposed to do. And so that's the context. That's, that's kind of the, the Cliff Notes version of what's going on in the scripture. And so Jesus is really pushing on them. Hey, you guys don't take care of people. You only pay attention to yourself. There's poor and needy people all around you. And all you do is mind your own business and flee away from it. And so how do we take from this? What do we, what do we pull away from this when we reach? Because I have a... When we think about Shorewood, when we think about our area of influence, there's lots of people that if we don't pay attention to how we're behaving, we walk on the other side of the road. There is beaten and hurting people, maybe actually beaten and hurting people, but emotionally and spiritually hurting people here in our sphere of influence. And because we have these blinders on, we go to church, we go to work, we come home. We go to church, we go to work, we come home. We go to church, we go to... We never open ourselves to maybe the stories that surround us. And if we open our eyes, and if we pray a simple prayer, prayer, God, open my eyes to the hurting people around me. If you have the guts to pray that prayer, your eyes will be open to all kinds of different personalities. People will talk to you at Walmart that you never thought you ever wanted to talk to. And it, stuff will happen and things will, will opportunities are like, I don't know what's going on here. Cars will break down right in front of you. They, they will. You, they will uh, something, a flat tire will happen and you'll go, ah, oh, I got to get out and help for that, don't I? This happened to me on Christmas Eve. I did not want to do that. Thankfully, it was warm that day, but hey, that's okay. <laughs> Keeping it real. So there's two different things happening here. You cannot influence people with whom you have no relationship. To influence the people around us, we must fall in love, more in love with God and with people. That's what, how this, this is set up. Yes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. They're not one without the other. We like to do one or think that we do one. And, for, and I want us to, as we start this new year, to really evaluate, do I even love God well? Do I do the things that I am supposed to do? Because as I evaluate my own, like in the new year idea, I'm not doing the best job I could in loving God well. And if I'm not even started out with loving God well, I know I'm not loving my neighbor well. So how do we do that? The internal process of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. I got those out of order, but you got to understand. First thing is be filled with a passion for God. Be filled with a passion for for God. This is not a cerebral practice. This is just a falling in love with God. This is something I think is rooted in prayer. Prayer is the gasoline for our faith engine. If you go wonder why I don't feel my, my developing in my faith, I don't feel God in my life, I, I don't know if it's really real, I, the first question is, are you praying? Well, no, because I fall asleep. Well, you're not, that's like, man, I got, a, I got a Cadillac or a sports car sitting there, and it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't run right. Do you have gasoline in it? No. Okay. I actually called somebody. I've been car shopping, and I, I called somebody, and uh, I asked them if I should buy this car, and they said, well, did it have any gas in it, Jared? And it actually didn't. That was the question. I was like, oh, maybe it wasn't running right because the gas wasn't, huh, I really don't know what I'm doing, but that's Okay. 
It's the same thing with our gasoline in, in prayer in our life. Have you been praying? No. Well, you're complaining about your relationship with God, but you haven't been talking to him. Yes. Do you see the problem? Right? As prayer connects us to the heart of God, it brings the passion for God full circle. I want to challenge you this new year. I'm going to give you a couple. If you already don't have your New Year's resolutions, I don't. I've been thinking about it. I haven't been willing to commit to anything yet, right? To whatever I'm going to fail at. But I haven't been able to commit to anything yet. So I have a couple for you. I think they're easy. They're the cookies on the bottom shelf type New Year's resolutions. I like those New Year's resolutions, the ones I know I can actually achieve. You know, the losing 30 pounds, it ain't going to happen. So let's go with two. I mean, that's... I lost 30 pounds at two at a time, like 80. Uh, But anyway, that's my personal issues. Um, What my challenge for you is this. Pray for five minutes a day, every day. Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. Set a timer on your phone or on your oven or wherever. Five minutes. This is how this is going to work. You're going to set your timer on timer on whatever device you choose to use. You're going to set a timer for praying for five minutes. The first day, you're going to do it very easily. Oh, that's simple. Second day, you're going to do it okay. Third day, you're going to get about two minutes and go, what am I supposed to talk to God about? I did that all yesterday, right? Because, okay, I'm just going to pray and, and in silence and sit here and wait. Please, timer hit sometime. And that's going to happen for three or four days. You're just not even going to know what to say. And this is often when we quit. Right? This is like going to the gym at New Year's. You lose five pounds the first week, and the third week you're like, well, I gained two pounds. I'm done with the stupid gym thing. But you don't cancel the membership, so you pay for it all year long. Right? <laughs> this is what's going to happen in your prayer life. Those, those five to ten day mark, you're going to pray, and you're like, when's that timer going to go off? I've been praying for an hour. No, it's been two minutes and 30 seconds. And then there's going to be something happen, and if you stay with it, you're going to pray, and that timer's going to go off, and you're like, but I wasn't done yet. And you're going to pray, and that timer's going to go off, and I'm not done yet. And by about three, four weeks into it, you're not going to want to even set the timer because it keeps interrupting you from your good prayer time. That's how that works. It's, like a, it's a discipline like anything else. You've got to work and press through that. I want to challenge you just to set, pray five minutes a day every day. Set a timer for that. And this will help you fall more and more in love with God. The second thing is filled with the presence of God. As I said, the passion of God is kind of a heart thing. The presence of God is more of a a head thing. And we talked earlier about the U version. This is why I talked about uh, bringing out the Bible and and getting on a reading plan. Read the scripture for five minutes a day. And these two combined, I actually would reverse them. I would read the Bible first and then pray. Because when, after you read the scripture, you're going to have questions. Or you're going to have, I don't know how to apply that. That's a beautiful way to pray. God, let this scripture speak to my heart. What do I need to pull out of that? You gotta be dangerous. You gotta be careful with that because you could be praying for about two hours on letting the scripture speak to your heart. Just five minutes. That's 10 minutes of your day to totally revolutionize the way in which you think about everything. If we're going to have a reach kind of mindset, if we're going to have a mindset that makes disciples, we have got to center in on this relationship that we have with God. Another way you can uh, do the prayer thing, um, 
I want to challenge you. We have a prayer meeting here every Thursday morning at 930. If you are free, we'd love to have you here. It is a fantastic time uh, of sharing and, and praying and bringing, uh, bringing ourselves. And we pray for the church and for all kinds of things going on here. Um, it is a fabulous time. So if you're free at 930 on Thursday morning, be here. Um, there you go. Another commercial for you. But be filled with the presence of God. Read the scripture. So often we might be praying for an answer to a question that he's already answered over and over and over again in here. And God's not answering it. He's like, read the manual. <laughs> right? Third, filled with God's purpose for your life. Filled with God's purpose for your life. And this is where grow comes in. Grow, we do this thing in grow that's going to happen on January 23rd where we take these assessment tests that aren't scriptural. They're not the be-all, end-all of this is how you're wired, but they help guide you to figure out what your purpose and how you're wired in life. And so we do those things because we want to set you on a, on a mission so you can become a team member in our church or out in the community that you're doing the best you possibly can with all the things that God has given you so that you are unleashed into our community. Because if we're going to reach our community for Christ. We need people in the right places to do that. Maybe you are divinely called and equipped to be a kid's worker, but you've never thought about it that way. Maybe you're divinely uh, called and equipped to be a greeter, and you, but you've never, I don't know, I don't know everybody. Guess what, gang? Nobody in this church except maybe me knows everybody in this church. Nobody. If you've been here for 40 years, you don't know half the people here, right? I know, you complain to me about it. I don't know the peaceful people anymore. Isn't that great? Yes, but I still don't know them. <laughs> so it happens. Everybody can be a greeter. Everybody can do something in the church. Everybody is called and equipped, actually, to, with God's purpose for their life, to be a team member somewhere in the church or in the community. Maybe it's you have a burning passion for the needy in the church, and maybe, or needy in the community. Maybe you need to get involved with the Salvation Army. Maybe you need to get involved with Morningstar Mission. Maybe there's something else that you need to get involved with with that. Those are how we fall in love more with God. Let's flip it. How do we get more involved with our neighbors? And when we say neighbor, remember, I mean your people who live to the left and to the right of you. I mean those people. I also mean the people who live that you just come in contact with. Okay, This is a total mind shift. I think it's a great thing to start with the people to the left and to your right. Because if you have happy neighbors, your life is just better, right? <clears throat> the first thing is practice compassion for your neighbor. Practice compassion for your neighbor. Some of you need to practice this while driving. Practice compassion for your neighbor, right? And that means all kinds of different things. How am I conducting myself when I'm on the road? How am I conducting myself at the uh, doctor's office? or at the, the wait on your oil change to be done? Is there an opportunity there? Can I have compassion on somebody that maybe I haven't really... There's a connection that could be made. Compassion is a great place to start that. Sometimes you can just look into somebody's eyes and you know that compassion needs to be doled out. You can see their body language and they just need something. A conversation, a hi, how can I help you? This is a place where we can reach our community for Christ. Practice presence with your neighbor. 
be present with them. I don't know about you, but I have some really awkward moments with my neighbors. I do a few goofy things in life. And sometimes my neighbor, I look over and my neighbor is standing there just like looking at me. Because we don't have fences. I've always had privacy fences before, so it didn't matter what I did with my kids goofing off in the backyard. Now we don't have fences and that's awkward. But this has been reversed because now I got a puppy and my puppy saw snow for the first time. My neighbor spent an hour and a half watching my puppy play in the snow. They came over and said, thank you for having a puppy. I said, why? You just entertained us for an hour and a half out in the backyard. Practicing presence with your neighbor. We, I think we need to reclaim the idea of block parties. The idea is of let's turn off the, the cul-de-sac and let's just have a good time with these people that we do life with. Because our garage door societies, we come in, we close the garage door, we don't go out. We come in, we never say hi, we never say hey, we never, we complain about them, maybe when the yard gets uncut or, you know, the, the gaudy Christmas decorations they put up or whatever it is, we, we complain, but we don't have relationship with, let's practice presence with your neighbor. <clears throat> Fulfill your purpose. Maybe in our reaching, in our talking to people, and I know this is like the scariest thing ever to uh, introverts. You guys are like, Jared, I don't talk to other people that I don't know. I don't do that. That's not necessarily what I'm, I'm talking about. It's just showing compassion and care. We can all show love and understanding to anybody, even if people bother us. And I think this is unleashing the purpose and the plan that God has for our lives. So often we say, God, I don't know what you want me to do. I'm just praying for God's guidance in my life. I'm praying for God to show me what I'm supposed to do. And the answer is already there. We are to go and make disciples. So at the bare root, it doesn't matter if you're working at waste management or at GE. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher or an electrical engineer. The purpose of your life is to go and make disciples. The purpose of our lives is to reach the community of Shorewood, Illinois, for Christ. We need to go fulfill this. It doesn't matter if people look different than us, smell different than us, act different than us. Our, our purpose is to reach people for Christ. This new year, I want us to set ourselves up so that we can be a beacon we can be a reaching force in our community. There's all kinds of different creative ways in which the church is going to help that, but we are not, this church cannot be the driving force of reaching. That is your own individual decisions to be the driving force of reaching. That is on you. It wasn't, sure, Church of God, go make disciples. It was you all go reach or go make disciples. This is the command of Jesus Christ before. He ascends into heaven. We've got to do a lot of things to make ourselves, put ourselves in a place that we are passionately in love with God, then also passionately in love with the idea of caring for our neighbors, of reaching them, of seeing their lives change, just as your life was changed when you came in contact with the love of Christ. That is my New Year's resolution, that this year I would reach better into our community than last year.
Does that mean I need to read the Bible more? Yes. Does that need to mean I need to pray more? Yes. Does that mean that I need to put myself in situations where I'm around people that, that I don't know? Yes. You cannot influence people with whom you have no relationship. Let's pray, and then we're going to take communion. God, thank you so much for today. Lord, I ask you to bless us and guide us in all that we do. I ask you to take these moments in this time that you would bless this year, that you would change us in it. God, that this year would be unlike any other, that this year we would see our friends and our family come to know you, that we'd see our neighbors come to know you, that we would see our influence in this community shift as we reach out, as we become the believers that you have called us to be, that we are the people that you've always wanted us to be. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen.